0: Our conversation today is with Claudia Ribas, a licensed psychotherapist, life coach and an immigration social worker. Claudia is originally from Brazil, and she moved to the United States about 30 years ago. She has a Bachelor of Art from the Manhattan College after transferring from the Pontifical Catholic University in Rio de Janeiro. She also has two master's of art, one in psychology from the Fairfield University and another in social work from the New York University. Claudia also received an honorary Doctor of philosophy from the Southern California University. Welcome to Diaspora, Claudia, and thanks for speaking with us today.
1: It's my pleasure to be here and it's my pleasure to be part of your show. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Thank you. So to begin, can you please tell our audience what a psychotherapist does? and how it's beneficial to immigrants.
1: Psychotherapy is also called um, talk therapy or just plain therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a process whereby psychological problems are treated through communication and through the relationship of psychotherapist right. and clients. On this relationship, you project many things on your therapist that happens in your life and through this relationship you you focus on the difficulties and, and then you, and you start to resolve by reviving the things that you experience in childhood or some trauma or some things that happens to you on this relationship and the, and, the, and the relationship being positive and being a good match between psychotherapist and client the okay. process yeah. occur and the person start to become better and better and better
0: Okay, perfect, perfect. So we know that many immigrants are often from cultures in which psychotherapists are not commonly consulted, and does the diversity of of cultural value, ben, uh, beliefs, and practices do they make it challenging for you to to provide the services to immigrants?
1: Absolutely, each culture deals with therapy in a different way. Mm-hmm. and its gender deals, deals with therapy with a different way as well right. for men more a stigma for them to seek the treatment for their depression or post-traumatic stress disorder in case of immigrants and or anxiety because they feel that they are not supposed to do that as a man they are supposed to resolve their things by themselves okay. women, women are more flexible and they uh, reach out for help more usually than men. But the cultures also put the stigma that mental health, if you see a therapist, you are mental ill, or you are a, a psycho, or you are, have a disease or something like that, and mm-hmm. you are local in Spanish, and crazy in English, and things like that. And that keeps people from reaching out to pursue treatment. When most, all of us struggle with a day-to-day life, the way that's stressful nowadays, with depression, anxiety, and, and obstacles, and, and things that make us really, really overwhelmed with life in general. Right. Especially the immigrant who comes to this country and have to assimilate in order to survive. Then they're exposed to new foods, new music, new people, new clothes, new rituals, new values, new morals. And they miss this from their own country as well. So it's a a process of gaining something new because of the new country, but at the same time, grieving and mourning something that you left behind, that's your roots and your native country.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's
1: Mm -hmm. a very intensive experience for the immigrant. So they usually got very depressed in the new country for a while until they can understand better the dynamics of what's going on.
0: Well, that's so true. I, uh, it reminds me of a story of my cousin. He moved from Cameroon to here, and he was living in, uh, in the Midwest. And at some point, he lost his job because he was really stressful. And he was not willing to see a, a psychologist or any doctor that was going to help him with mental health. So whenever we said, you may have mental health, he said, no, I'm fine. And when I was able to go and take him to the hospital, they kind of interned him immediately because of the issue that he was having. But until then, he was not accepting that that was uh, something that we're going to even consider.
1: Yeah, it's true. Is Most people behave like that. They mm-hmm. they can't accept that they are going through this. And this is something called depression. Especially depression that is uh, is a mental illness that is... Uh, it's in silence. It comes uh, out of the blue, mm-hmm. you know, and just take over yourself and you can really end up not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to take care of your house, take care of yourself and things like that. Right. So, there's a difference between depression and being sad. Being sad is, a, is an emotion. And you got sad because you see a movie and that something that happened in a movie make you emotional, sad, Right. depression is a mental problem that is more connected sometimes to neurons in your brain, serotonin and dopamines and neurotransmitters like that. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue affect you and you have somatic pains in your body, right. you feel a pain in your arm and you not really have nothing in your arm. It's just a depression manifesting itself somatically in your body.
0: Okay. And what about anxiety?
1: Anxiety is fear of the unknown. So when you don't know something, you, the tendency is to become very anxious about that. Right. And, and if, you don't, if you don't treat that, the anxiety starts to increase and increase to the point that can become panic and people start to get panic attacks.
2: Right, right. So
1: you have to treat the best treatment is CBT or DBT or talk therapy and and usually anxiety is also treated with medicine because it comes anxiety is different than depression depression stays with you constantly you're mm-hmm. constantly in the stage of depression right anxiety can come suddenly you are in a restaurant having dinner with your family and suddenly that anxiety kick in on you and you feel completely stressed scared and can lead to a panic and then if you have your own medicine you can put it in your mouth and And drink it, and immediately in 10 minutes, you start to feel good. And it's nice to have a therapist that go over to see what triggers this anxiety. Right. What was that happening that dinner, for example, that triggered the anxiety? What was your thoughts? Did something say something? Somebody said something? Or what was going on that suddenly the anxiety strikes you?
0: Okay. Okay, that's so helpful. It can also be at work, right? With immigrants being in the workplace in a completely different environment and having to deal with different culture.
1: Exactly, absolutely, different expectations from, you know, especially in the work where Americans work in a certain way, and immigrants to help work according with their own culture and their own pace, like according to their own country that they are coming from, you know? Right. I come from Brazil where it's very laid back and at the beginning the the pace of my university over there, my education was very different than the pace of my (laughs) my studies in here, you know? And suddenly I have like 20 books to read in two weeks and when I have two books to read in two weeks in Brazil, you know? Wow. So it's very stressful this whole process of being in another country
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: create a lot of anxiety.
0: Okay, good. So what are some of the approaches that you use to educate uh, those uh, clients?
1: Well, I do talk therapy. It's usually once a week because it costs a lot of money in many ways for a lot of people. I have a sliding scale that I try to accommodate and do a lot of pro bono as well. Mm -hmm. And it's 45 minutes to 50 minutes. And we talk about what's going on that the person is feeling on a day-to-day basis. And we touch childhood, we touch uh, life in general, we touch the present and the future. I'm a life coach as well. So I mix sometimes goals and obstacles and, and, and exploration about the past. Right. And, and through the relationship with my client, we will revive, as I mentioned before, a lot of the things that they experience. So sometimes they get mad at me, but they are not really mad at me. They are mad at their mother. Right. That you
0: know,
1: <laughs> that has nothing to do with me, and they they just experience that moment with me because something triggered something in their memory and everything. So we go and we explore, and it's a co-constructor relationship between two people, you know, that right. I try to understand one person. I try to explain my client to my client.
0: That's mm-hmm. my job, right? Right. That's so helpful. And uh, you mentioned about the cost. I understand that it's uh, it can be very expensive. Do insurance cover that for like if an immigrant has an insurance?
1: If the immigrant has an insurance, he has to go in a therapist in network. I, for example, don't work with insurance because I don't like.
0: Right. And
1: especially <laughs> because of confidentiality and everything. Because once you got into the system with the diagnosis, you stay forever.
2: Right. So I'm
1: very protective of my clients. I don't work with the insurance. And I've been in practice for the past 19 years
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I never deal with insurance. So I always come to an agreement with a price that is compromised, good for me, good for my client and that we can do a good work together. Also, the person has to be relatively smart to do the work because it's a very difficult work mm-hmm. and very strong. You know, it's not for people say, oh, you're weak, you're going to therapy. Absolutely not. You have to be very strong, very courageous in order to deal with therapy because it's a deep work inside of your soul and between two adults having a conversation about one adult.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so good to know.
1: Yeah, it's very intense.
0: Yeah. So the fact that, you know, you have to 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 agree with them, I mean, to discuss the pricing and the payment with them and not having to involve insurance, that's because the information that they provide will be in their insurance record, right?
1: Yes, will be in the insurance record and, you know, the system have access to everything. And I just don't like working with insurance because of that. So it's yeah. totally confidential between me and my clients.
0: Yeah. That's true. And also because you cannot control the stigma. Somebody might see the information. You did not even know how somebody else is going to use that information.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: That's so good to know. And uh, it's actually encouraging if uh, you are uh, coming from a different world and you want to keep your privacy and not be able to share. I mean, want to be able to share the information with your uh, your therapist. Yeah, definitely going that route without looking for insurances sounds like a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's confidential anyway by the bound of the APA, the American Psychological Association. Mm -hmm. So, But we do have to make paperwork where we put the diagnosis for the person and have to make a summary of their difficulties and things like that. And even that, I feel uncomfortable doing diagnosis for people that can become Stigmatized for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, especially for teenagers and young adults and things like that. Okay. So I prefer not to do that. I do that for my files because then I know what I'm doing and I know which line I have to do But because my approach is very eclectic. I don't use one therapy for all my clients. I, okay. use, I, I, I meet them where, where they are mm-hmm. and I adjust my theories that I learn in according to the necessity and the problems that they are facing right and they take it from there and then go to into this journey together mm-hmm. you know they are the passenger they are the, the driver and I am the passenger of this journey
0: okay wow that's so helpful and uh, what are some of the most common behavioral issues that you see with immigrants and uh, do you have patients with multiple issues
1: well I- with immigrants that I treat, I see very much longing and grieving and mourning their houses in their countries and their culture and values.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes they are first generation dealing with second generation. They have American children. Right. The American children cannot understand their parents very well or uh, don't understand the culture and don't understand things the way the parents the way the parents react for certain circumstances that. For them, as American, is very normal. Mm-hmm. They learn in school, in high school, and the parents cannot understand that. So we do a lot in understanding the culture and and making it easy for their children in so many ways. You know, like you have to let it go because your kid is American. Mm-hmm. You know, and and in order for him to survive, he has to fit in into this culture. But you can put your values, and your morals, and and hope that something gonna stick and stay there, you know. Right. And also the expectations for the new country. They come full of expectations, and sometimes the experience is very bad, and mm-hmm. sometimes the experience is very successful. So depend on what they are dealing with. Sometimes they find a job immediately, they are able to afford and rent a little house, an apartment, and then a better house, and buy a car, and the kids will go to public school and are happy and getting an education, and they got medical insurance and all of that. But sometimes things don't go as they plan. And mm-hmm. then they are really in despair because they don't have sometimes financial conditions to go back to their country or they cannot go back to their country. is not an option for them. Right. And they are not adapting in here. And America is not really what they imagined that would be. You know? So it's very, very complicated. Each case is a very specific case that require a lot of caring, love, and and attention in order to help this individual, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Wow, and then uh, I know the stigma, it will be different between the parents that are first generation and the children that are American.
1: Yes, each each parents that have children they struggle tremendously with their children, especially when they did high school,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: the, the peer pressure on the children is enormous. And the parents don't have a voice that they used to have when the children were small. And the parents are very frustrated, sometimes very angry, and the children don't understand what's going on
2: because right.
1: they, they they never live in that in that country. They don't know what the parents are talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, the initiative to, to seek help, like to come and speak with a psychologist like you, a psychotherapist. Is that the children who decide that I need to speak with a therapist or is the parent who says, I think we need to go see a therapist?
1: It's both. Well, sometimes the, the, the child wants, the teenager wants to do therapy as a way to improve their communication with their parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the parents force the teenager to come. Right. And I don't do child therapy. I do teenager, young, older teenagers and adults and <laughs> geriatric. And then sometimes the parents come because they cannot understand their children. They want a better communication in order not to lose their children for America in so many ways.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, that's it's funny. Really uh, yeah, I was speaking with, uh, I had an interview with one of our guests uh, two weeks ago. She was telling us about How growing up, she was really mad at her mom, but it's only after she was older that she was able to speak with her mom and her mom would be telling her there was nothing I could really do. And then, you know, I just I'm sorry if I did this. I'm sorry if I did that. I thought it was so powerful.
1: Yeah, it's very powerful. There's a lot of I'm sorry, you know. I have four children and and they are four Americans mm-hmm. and and I have said many I'm sorry, I didn't realize that in your culture, you know, <laughs> things happen like this and in my culture is very much the opposite. Right. Especially South America where everything is more laid back and uh-huh. not so competitive as American ours and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was just playing with one of my kids video game and we were playing FIFA soccer mm-hmm. and I happened to to win the game for two goals uh, against <laughs> one, and he was so competitive and he got so angry at me so angry at me because of the video game and I said stop that and in Brazil in South America mostly we are not competitive as Americans are right it's just a game you know what I mean I know <laughs> why you're so overwhelmed because of this that you lose for me
0: Right.
1: And he couldn't he couldn't calm himself down. It was very funny.
0: <laughs> that's funny, that's funny. So I understand you were born in Brazil and that you moved to the US uh, a long time ago.
1: Long time ago.
0: That, yeah, I what was some of some some of the challenges that you faced at the time?
1: Well, I was twenty four years old and I was recently married mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. pregnant with my first child, my son Arthur. Right. And me and my husband decided that Brazil in the eighties at the time and now is even worse. There was no future. He he's a yacht designer mm-hmm. and he designed sailboats and power and we said let's try our life in America because here you're gonna be designing he's a was a freelancer right. for six people that can afford good boats and that's insane. We're not gonna survive. Mm-hmm. So we came with a visa of tourist. You know, I'm five months pregnant, and we, and I asked him, "Where's your dream?" He was very well qualified. Mm-hmm. I, I I separated from him. I'm 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 remarried, but at that time we were together, and he was very well qualified. And he said, that "The this company, Sparkman Stevens, in Manhattan." Right. So he went there, and he was hired on the spot. Wow. because he designed by hand still and still everybody's designing by the computer, by a CAD
2: uh-huh.
1: and, a, and a, a software called CAD for for designing both and he designed by hand
2: mm-hmm. and everybody
1: was very impressed by his designs and everything, so he was hired on the spot and then immediately they hired a, a lawyer and applied for our green card and we got our green card in six, seven months, so we were very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. And then we have three more children and then I separated and then I remarried and I adopted a little girl from Nepal. Yes, we went all the way to Nepal to pick her up. Mm -hmm. She was two and a half years old. So now here we have somebody in the house talking Nepalese. (laughs) 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 And we always speak English and you know, Uh she very fast, but she's totally Americanized now.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yes, That's exactly. amazing. And uh, you were pregnant at the time. And did you speak any English? And how was it like? Uh, did you have to uh, to to study also while you were pregnant?
1: Yes. I went to English as a second language until I was able to pass the TOEFL. Mm-hmm.
2: That's
1: basically the SAT for people who don't speak English. Right. And uh, it's an English test to see if you can go to university and, and be able to... Uh, participate in a class in English
2: and Mm -hmm. understand. Right.
1: And I did a lot, like two or three years of ESL, English as a second language. And then finally I was able to transfer my credits from the POCI, the Pontificia Católica University in Brazil, to Manhattanville College, where I graduated in history. Mm -hmm. And then I have two more kids, and then I went to get my Master in Psychology from Fairfield University. Right. Then I to get a master in social work from NYU and then I did a couple of 96 credits in the PhD and couldn't finish and they gave me an honorary PhD in uh, philosophy and psycho psychoanalysis basically and wow. then I did three more years of psychoanalytic training after I graduated from everything mm-hmm. so it was a lot of education
0: right like any other immigrant <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes, for immigrant, <laughs> it
0: was a lot of education. Yeah, right, that's funny. Did you have uh, any uh challenge while applying to, to university? I understand you already had the TOEFL, so it kind of made it a little bit easier.
1: No, it was very difficult. It was very difficult because of the competition, because the way the education is, is taught in here is very difficult, different than the university in Brazil, right? And from two books a month, I have twenty books every three weeks to read it and all. So it was very, very difficult to catch up, mm-hmm. to write in English papers and to edit and, and to, to, to to be able to keep up. You know, when I was accepted on my master, I felt very proud, especially at NYU. that's a very difficult school to get in.
2: Right. And right.
1: I graduated with a very high GPA, and then I got into the PhD program and I got very happy about that as well. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I was already working full-time with a private practice. I always have a private practice. I never worked for anybody Right. in in Manhattan, and it was full. And the consulate sent me a lot of clients and medical doctors and and lawyers and people from the Brazilian bank. So I have my practice full. That's why I didn't finish my PhD, because they wanted me to stop working to do an internship for two years for free, Uh and then just to have the – the letters on my name,
0: right?
1: And then I have to start all over again and, and build my practice. And I said, No, thank you, I'm not gonna finish,
0: right? That's funny,
1: and yeah. And then they said, I give you an honorary because you did all the work. Uh huh, uh uh-huh. so They were very, they were very kind in many ways, very respectful. They value my work.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so good to know, though. I was uh, working on my PhD in South Africa when I moved here. But uh I was not as far as you were. So I guess uh, if I was that far, I would have gone back to them and said, hey, why don't you give me an honorary PhD? Yes. <laughs> exactly.
1: But you can transfer your credit here.
0: Yes, I know. But
1: Yes, yes.
0: What happened is that uh, I just signed up for another master's degree and then uh, I just gave up at some point. So That's fantastic.
2: Congratulations.
0: Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. So let let me ask you this. Did you experience moving to the US and going through the immigration process? Did that contribute in you wanting to be an immigration social worker? Well, I, I
1: I I I'm I'm not really a social worker. Social mm-hmm. worker work for a clinic and do the home visitation, case management and things like that. Right. I went to NCU because it's very clinical. So I am a psychotherapist mm-hmm. and I do therapy. Right. And Mostly also because I was in therapy in my country, because in Brazil it's very popular. Mm-hmm. And if you have the resource, you do go and put your children in therapy. And, and so I was in therapy at a very early age, and I have a very psychological way of thinking. So it was kind of natural for me when I choose which career that I absolutely knew that I didn't want a boss.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I said, <laughs> what can I do that I don't have a boss that I can work for myself? And then I said, I can be a psychotherapist, a psychologist. And so that uh, the role that I took for, for it. Okay. That's
2: very
1: excited. yes.
0: Yeah, that sounds exciting of the, uh, indeed. So, uh, what is most rewarding aspect of your work then?
1: Basically, see my client grow, see mm-hmm. them grow, see them become whole again, see them functioning before the depression kick in, see them functioning before the anxiety kick in, you know, see them being. Able to function in a normal life and being whole and and healthy again. You know, right. I hate using this word "world," uh, word "healthy," but they are not feeling well when they come and they leave feeling better. Right. I don't think I cure anybody because I don't believe on that. So know, we're always gonna have it's like this idea of happiness that you are happy. Forever, that doesn't exist. Happiness is a moment. A dinner with your family, a flower that you receive from your partner, (laughs) uh, a romantic moment with somebody, uh, buying a new car for some people, and uh, riding a motorcycle and feeling the wind. That's some moments of happiness that all together make you happy and enjoy your life but they sell that you have to be happy all the time, and that doesn't exist. <laughs> so sometimes I have to explain this to people, you know. It's ups and downs, it's how life it is, you
2: know. Uh-huh. You turn
1: a corner and you never know what you're going to find. It's like Forrest Gump, it's a box of chocolate. You never know which, what you're going to get.
0: Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. So you give them the tools to better manage some of the Absolutely. issues that they face.
1: Very well put, eh? Very well put. I give, I come, I give them a little medical bag, and I put as much tools as I can inside. Mm-hmm. So when they feel something, they are able to reach for that bag and try to fix themselves. Right. And I usually use the analogy like, "Oh, I already saw this movie before, and I know the end, and it's mm-hmm. not very happy. So let me try to change this movie." right now before the same end happens over and over and over
0: again. Right, right, right.
1: That's what we call repetition compulsion according to Freud. And then we try to get them out of the cycle that make them repeat the same mistake over and over again, like choosing, uh, I don't know, a bad partner who is not your friend that doesn't support you. Mm -hmm. And then the next boyfriend is the same thing and the other one the next thing. Things realize that, wait a minute, I'm contributing to this. I'm part of this cycle. You know? It's not that I'm unlucky. Right. I'm part of this. You know? <laughs> and I'm choosing these people to be part of my life. What's uh-huh. going on here? So I try to make them to become curious about themselves, about what they are doing, and, and develop the resources for them to be able to terminate with me and go ahead with their lives and live a, a full life full of happiness. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's the idea. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's good. So uh, what advice would you give to your high school, college and young professional self?
1: Well, absolutely focus on education and in something that gives you passion because you're going to be working with this, you know, and if you don't like, you're going to get bored. Mm -hmm. And when we get bored, we get depressed, we get anxious, we get cranky, you know. So choose something. Don't focus just on the money. Don't focus just on the, what your parents say or things like that. Look inside yourself and say, I like this. For example, one of my children, Thomas, is an artist. Mm-hmm. And he is a phenomenal artist. And it took him a long time to be able to go to galleries and, and, and have his work being exposed and things like that. And right. until then he struggled. But that was his passion and he did it, you mm-hmm. know. So I say, choose something that you love, study a lot, read and read and read and get the passion for what you do. And then hopefully things going to happen for you, you know?
0: Right, right. Wow. Uh, do you think people should try to do what they are good at and capable of doing or they should just look for what they are happy doing?
1: Well, I think people are capable, you know? I don't believe that. I believe that we are not broken. I think we are all good and we can do what we want if we put perseverance and focus right. and and put a goal as a life coach and talking now as a life coach and not as a psychotherapist.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Oh, and and, and, oh, and examine the obstacles and see why this obstacle is keeping me to go from point A to point B and how can I overcome this and achieve my point B. And some people want to go to point Z because they will like the growing and they like that. And they are okay in therapy, but they want to continue the journey of learning about themselves and
2: stay
1: in therapy. So I'll say perseverance, education, read, be curious about you and about the world, you know, and study, take your education seriously Mm -hmm. because it counts. It's very important, especially in this country.
0: Right right and uh that's definitely helpful so one question this is for me actually uh do you what do you think about uh what is it called like yoga and meditation
1: i think it's fantastic i think yoga meditation eating healthy and i think they all contribute to your body you know taking sun so you get the vitamin d from the sun you eat quality foods, you know, not diet. I I am against diet. Okay. Against you eating what's make you happy, but choosing carefully and doing meditation is great. There are great applications for your iPhone and you can put it and meditate in the morning before mm-hmm. you get out of bed and ten minutes today and next week fifteen minutes and then twenty minutes and then you reach forty five minutes and that would be great you know and exercising walking bicycle and things like that i think taking care of the body uh, helps a lot to take care of your brain of your mind of your feelings and emotions as well you know Mm -hmm. i think they are all interconnected
0: right right wow
1: wow yoga is fantastic for your body it's the best exercise that you can do and it plays with all the muscles and in your body and make you strong and 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 um with strength, and, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's good that you mentioned that.
0: Okay, okay, good. So I think I should start signing up for those. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> yeah. So one question that we ask our guests uh, is to see how they define success and whether they consider themselves successful.
1: I define success being a genuine person. You know being a good person contribute to society and be happy with the things that you have material things are not so important you know right there are the things that contribute to your life and relationships are very important with your partner with your children you know mm-hmm. and doing what you like and, and and chill like my son say chill chill out <laughs> and, and enjoy the moment you know. yeah. Be so in a rush for for things, you know. Things happen, and they happen in the the proper moment, in mm-hmm. the time that they have to happen, you know. And and just enjoy the ride. is is one ride that you have in here, and so enjoy it,
2: you
1: know? Right. Go slow, enjoy every moment. Don't rush up and enjoy it because it's finished.
2: That's,
0: That's true. it's mm-hmm.
1: it finished. I know. That. and then <laughs> we have to enjoy it, you know, because no, don't go back.
0: Right, down. <laughs> yeah, keep going forward,
1: yes, yeah, so I think being genuine being with self awareness of myself makes me very happy and very secure and and enjoying my the things that I do in life.
0: Mm-hmm. wow, thank you for sharing that. oh
1: so, thank you, thank you very much,
0: oh yeah, so what do you do for fun, and what book do you suggest yeah. every uh Person coming from it could be a psychology, book, yeah, a psychology book too. You know, it could be a good introduction to psychology. Uh, so yeah, so tell us what do you do for fun and what book do you suggest uh, immigrant might want to read?
1: I for fun I do something very specific. I have a a, a little garage shop that I transform in my a mechanic shop, <laughs> and I have motorcycles. I ride motorcycles a lot. Wow. And I get motorcycles and I dismantle the motorcycles and then I saw videos on YouTube and I try to put them together. Uh-huh. I work with tools and I build the engine and I keep seeing the movies and rewinding and seeing again and right. so I get right. So I I chrome, I put chrome, I paint and I send the, the tank to the full tank to to a place specialized to do that, and mm-hmm. this place to prom, and this motorcycle is shiny. And I put the bike together by myself or sometimes with friends and or my son, Thomas, who is an architect and right. an artist. And then we work together in this shop as, as, as a group. Wow. And riding motorcycles, I love to read and I love movies a lot. I love spending time with my family. They are very important for me. Right. And, and right now I'm reading the Co-Active Coaching, and it's a great book in general for everybody. It touches mm-hmm. psychology, it touch life coaching, it touch perseverance, leadership, right. relationship, you know. It's a very good book called Co-Active Coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and I recommend that, that book for everybody. Is is what I'm reading right now, and I'm very happy. A friend, a colleague, recommended to me, and I'm very happy. I'm I'm actually reading and listening an audiobook.
0: Right, that's a it's good very, with audible.
1: Uh, yeah, you should read it. You're gonna like it. It's very smart. It's very intelligent and touching to a lot of things that is basic that we, we think that we know, and we realize that hey, I didn't know that this could be this way. You know. Uh-huh. This is interesting. I'm going to explore this venue in a different way from now
0: on. Right. Yeah, I would definitely find the book. The book that I'm currently reading is actually a psychology book by The what Great Causes. It's uh, The Great Ideas of Psychology.
2: Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I'm just reading it just to have a good uh, some um, some understanding and introduction to psychology. So, yeah, I'm very interested in the field as well. That,
1: that's phenomenal. That's uh-huh. phenomenal. That's yeah. very good. Cool. So I and for you, one of the best books in psychology that changed my life is Being a Person by Carl Rogers.
0: Mm-hmm. Being a Person.
1: Being a Person by Carl Rogers. Okay. He was an American psychologist in New York,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he developed the line of humanistic psychology that's opposite of Freudian, for example. Right, right. And, and is a beautiful book, very deep, and with a lot of questions. And the most empathy that you show, and and the more you observe the people and pay attention in the people, the more communication. Like I strongly believe that communication is information. You mm-hmm. know, more you communicate, the more information you have. Yes. And Carl Rogers is a phenomenal on this. You should read this book, "Being a Person."
0: Okay, definitely, I definitely find that book because uh, it sounds like a very good one. And to go back to the video and YouTube and dismantling the bike and putting it together. I have, I want to tell you something funny that happened uh, last weekend. We had a car and then it was showing the check engine light. So I brought the car back to the dealership. I was like, it's showing the check engine light. But last time you said that, you know, you had, it was the battery and you changed it. So what is wrong now? They say, oh no, the issue is something else. You have to change this uh, valve item. And I was like, how much is it going to cost me to change it? They say nine hundred dollars. I'm like, how much does the item cost? They say forty one dollars. I'm like, so how much am I paying you to replace this? So I ran to uh, to auto um, uh, auto part. I bought the uh, the part for forty one dollars. I replaced it myself, and then that the issue was gone. So it's funny that That's you mentioned. <That's>
1: That's fantastic, and you and you find everything. Also, if you don't know how to do, it, you find on YouTube.
2: Yeah, me I too. I just
1: dismantle the motorcycle, and then I put how to build the one hundred and eighty Yamaha. Wow.
2: There's so many
1: videos about, and you go back and you start putting the pieces together.
2: You uh-huh.
1: know? Carburetor, radiator, and, and engine, and gearbox, and things like that. And you just you start to work, and when you see it, it, is is becoming a person in between poles, becoming a motorcycle again.
0: Right. Yeah, that's true. I do the same. It's just like going to IKEA, buying all these things and putting them together.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Suddenly you have a furniture in the house.
0: I know, like, oh, I know. You never got
2: before.
1: And you just connect these pieces. And then it's like psychology. It's a puzzle. We just do the puzzle for the person so they can see themselves in the puzzle and make sense for them mm-hmm. not make sense for the therapist that doesn't have to make sense for me right it has to make sense for the client the client is the most important thing in the room
0: wow that's so that's true so, i'm glad we're ending on those notes thank you very much for sharing today
1: thank you thank you for inviting me once again i'm very grateful for being able to be part of this and and talk about immigration and my work and 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 get to know you better and things like that. But I really, really appreciate
0: it. Thanks for inviting me. Many thanks to you, to Claudia, and thank you for listening. If this episode spoke to you, please share it with a friend. If you know someone who is having a tough time integrating in their new country, they may want to listen to this. I'm Ari Kueppo, and this is Diyesa.